We've got a unique discussion for you guys tonight. Senator Chris Pearson, progressive Democrat of Vermont joins us. He is a state senator of Vermont. And and we have a little bit of a disagreement. We used to agree very much, we agree on most issues. We used to agree very much on money and politics, but but lately we seem to have gone in different directions. And that's why I wanted him to come on. That's why he wanted to come on to discuss this issue. I think. And I hope that you guys will gain a lot from this discussion. Senator Pearson, thank you for coming on the Young Turks, appreciate it. It's my pleasure, great to be here. I'm getting a little delay, I hope you can hear me okay. Yeah, we can hear you great. All right, so well, let's just set the background here for folks. Vermont was the first state to call for free and fair election reform and that it Wolfpack is a group that I founded. It's one of the other things I do other than being the host of the Young Turks. And and they that organization pushed for that. And what it really does is it calls for a convention for to call for an amendment to the United States Constitution to get money out of politics. And right. and we think that that's the, the best strategy and perhaps the only strategy available now to get that change that is so critical to the country. If I'm not mistaken, Senator Pearson, at the time you voted for that initially, right? Yeah, yeah, I was a member of the Vermont House at the time, and uh, you know, I, I don't think we disagree on the horrors of money and politics. Uh, I think we're having a disagreement on how to fix it. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I even could see that, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay, <laughs> so um, so now uh, you've gone in the opposite direction. There's a, a a movement to rescind some convention calls. And let me again frame it for the audience and to be fair to you. There are some progressives in the country who think, well, there's a balanced budget amendment push, which is a conservative push to get a convention. And right. so that they think that's dangerous. Now, I am among the people who think a balanced budget amendment is a disastrous idea. So in some of the states, there are calls for a balanced budget amendment convention for that topic. And they are looking to rescind that and they're doing that today. But some are also calling to rescind all calls for a convention. And that is what is happening today in Vermont. And and you led the effort to rescind the one on getting money out of politics. Again, tell me if I'm mistaken about that. And, and if I'm not mistaken, why did you decide to go in that direction? In the balanced budget idea is being pushed by the Koch brothers, by Alec. They love the idea of a constitutional convention for the same reasons that I and many progressives abhor it. Jack, I am really worried that we are hastening the fascist takeover of this country. I mean, let's not put too fine a point on it, right? The, the, the question you're asking is why would Vermont want to rescind its call? which I did vote for, and the reason is this. I've learned since that time a couple of facts that I think are hard to dispute. You tell me where you're coming from, that there's no such thing as a constitutional convention that gets called for one or a limited purpose. Even Lessig acknowledges that once it's called and underway, sky's the limit. Here in Vermont, we have town meetings for our local elections. And the last item on the agenda always, and if you're a town moderator, it's the thing you fear the most for hours while you're debating other things, other business. And there's no way that that I'm aware of, and this is not really disputed, that 
you can limit what would be debated should you have a constitutional convention. That's what worries me. That's what worries me at a time when we've, you know, wall to wall Republican control in this country, you know, people who are acting way outside of the boundaries of what we would have thought of as conservative principles. And and so that's where I start to get really nervous. Then there's this idea that Vermont's call for a constitutional convention for a totally different reason than a balanced budget could be combined with the 28 or 29 calls that are on the books right now for a balanced budget and used to add up to the 34. What is known about that is that Congress has the power to make that decision of whether or not you can combine two very different calls, reasons for a call into one. And I just don't trust the current Congress at all to act in a sensible, straightforward way that that you know most people would consider to be kind of normal. Um, I don't think we've seen that. We've seen, in fact, them being all too willing to change the rules midstream, to reject decency at every turn and and jam through a very very aggressive agenda. Yep. So uh, let me clarify a number of things and answer some of the questions you uh, pose and then pose some questions back. So first off, the Koch brothers are, are not for a convention uh, on all grounds. Uh, I know that because they oppose Wolfpack in New Jersey. They sent their lobbyists to fight against a convention to get money out of politics. Of course, they love money in politics. Of course. Of so course. they are for a convention on their issues. And on that, I don't blame them. I'm for a convention on my issues. Uh, and I will fight them on their issues and they will fight us on our issues. I think a convention is part of democracy, it's part of our constitution, like the vote. We will fight them in elections and they will fight us in elections. Mm-hmm. So now that gets the question of can we combine things to get to a convention? Well, Senator, I'm positive that you do this with good intent. So I don't want the audience to get a wrong idea. I'm not as positive about the people who sent you those talking points. So do you know how many calls for a convention there are in the country right now? They're, the congressional research folks peg it at 28 for a balanced budget. I know there's been some 700 in the course of history. Yep. Uh, and I think there's now five uh, for Citizens United question, if I'm not mistaken. So um, there are, one part of that answer is correct. There's over 700 calls for a convention from 49 different states. Now, the reason we haven't had a convention is because they don't count them together. In fact, they haven't counted them together. That's right. That's right. And in fact, right now, if you combine, uh, there's 120 live calls for a convention right now. They could do it if they wanted to. The ones that have been sent to Congress and that they have on the record is actually above 34. So if they can combine balanced budget and uh, our call for convention and campaign finance ones and convention of the states, they would easily have a convention today. But yet we don't have a convention. So I don't understand how anyone could make the case that, well, they could just combine it. They could do that today, but they don't because they can't. It has to be on one issue. For all well, of American history, it has had to be on one issue. And today they have plenty. They could call for it tomorrow, but they don't do it because it has to be on one issue. And by the way, I'm not the only one saying that. Justice Department has said that. Congressional Research Services said that. The American Bar Association has said that. So in the face of all of that evidence, I'm confused as to why anybody would not only continue to say they can combine them when it is counterfactual, but on on top of that, to go and rescind one that is about money and politics seems curious when there's 
695 others. So uh, a few points quickly. I think you're right that they haven't been combined historically for different reasons. I, I totally agree with that. We've also always been able to filibuster Supreme Court nominees, right, till this past week. So we're just dealing with a cast of characters in Congress right now who are very comfortable operating well outside of the normal rules. Congressional research pegs the number, to my knowledge, at 28 live calls right now. And, you know, and I don't know why they've cut it off, but that is my understanding. And, and then, so, so maybe I'm wrong on this point, or it's a debatable point. And, and the, the thing I come across um, and, and is, is that whoever is arguing these points, yours and my arguments are the ones you hear, basically, that I've heard in the last couple of weeks. Having confidence on either side is a pretty dodgy prospect because we've never had it. We've never had a constitutional convention except for the very first one. That one, in fact, ran over the reasons why it was called and, and obliterated the rules and produced basically the, the beginning of our constitution. Um, you seem confident that I'm wrong. I'm confident that I'm right. If I'm right, then I'm taking a cautious approach because I don't want to open up the constitution while these people are in charge. If you're wrong, you know what happens when they pull together a constitutional convention that repeals women's right to choice, uh, repeals marriage equality, gives us unfettered access to guns, weakens voting rights. Do you really think these are the people that are gonna let us have a meaningful campaign finance reform? There, there's 34 states right now, wall to wall controlled by Republicans and only 13 states on the Democratic side. The rest are, are somewhat mixed. You know, this seems risky to me, and and I appreciate your confidence. I just don't share it, and I think it's prudent to be a little cautious. Yeah. And I know that Vermonters' values are so starkly opposed to what's happening at our nation's capital that that I think it's pretty. I'm comfortable saying eh, Vermont is not willing to to make this risky move. Yeah. So um, there is a lot that I disagree with there. First of all. I think the current state of affairs is horrific. So I think what's super risky is saying, well, let's not have a good battle plan for getting money out of politics. So let me pause there, I have so many things to say. But do you, do you think Congress, two thirds of Congress is going to get money out of politics? That they're gonna ask for no. that amendment? No, not at all. I, so I then think what's your battle plan then? Well, in my case, I've introduced a bill last year to have public financing of elections in Vermont. I'm about to introduce the same bill this year, kind of new and improved. So uh, that's look, wonderful this, for Vermont, this, which is one of the most liberal states in the country. So the rest of us have to just wallow in the corruption. And not only well, that, it, 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 it's at the listen, local I, level I, and it doesn't apply to the national level, right? Obviously, there's limited things I can do as a state legislator, but I have to wallow in the. Well, actually, one of the great things you could do is call for a convention, which would actually affect all of us. If we got the results out of a convention that you and I would favor and, and that didn't favor big money. I think one of the reasons why the Koch brothers are promoting a constitutional convention is they have confidence in their own ability to then influence the process through their yeah I want to get to the, I, want, I want to get to the Koch brothers influencing the process in a second but first let me correct a couple of things 
the original constitutional convention was not an Article 5 convention because Article right. 5 didn't exist at the time. That's part of the United States Constitution. Uh, they were under operating under completely different rules. They were operating under the Articles of Confederation. So those cool. two conventions would not be the same thing. And so, in fact, the founding fathers built two different ways in Article 5 to get an amendment. And yep. they did that because they were revolutionaries and they wanted you yep. to amend the document. They wanted you to have two different ways of doing it. If Washington was too corrupt, you were supposed to go to the state level to senators That's like right. you. And I think that you agree that, or let me ask you, do you agree that Washington is too corrupt right now? Yes, I do. But, but you also have to respect that the founders, part of the vision here of spreading this power out to the states was their belief that you would never have so much power concentrated in one direction when you push it out to the states. That's not the case today, right? I mean, Democrats control- No, they're not on the states. record talking about that at all. They're worried about- Well, but that's their basic theory of operation was dilute the power and, and push it out to the states no. when in doubt. Keep yeah, it away from the it, feds and push it out to the states. Exactly, which is exactly why they power. let you do conventions through the states and it's not- it's not when things are going well and things are in balance. You're supposed to do that when things are not going well. And Washington is too controlled by one interest and too corrupt. So look, you're worried about, and I get it, you're worried about Koch brothers' influence. I hear you on that. I mean, that's a huge problem, right? I mean, for example, what if they were to spend money to influence the delegates that go to the convention, right? Exactly. That's right, okay. Now. What do you think happens in Congress when the Koch brothers spend money to influence Congress? It works very well for them. It does. So right now, we're already in the worst case scenario that you are worried about. Where I, they I can influence the people who they control and they control a great majority of Congress. And by the way, if yeah. you're worried about the parade of horribles that they could do, they could do it today. They could just do it through Congress. They, 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 no, they can't. because you're saying two thirds of the, of the states are two thirds of Congress. It's the it's very, very they, similar they issues and they buy vote. them today. That's why we're in the worst case scenario. Uh, I, well, so they don't have two thirds of the Senate. Uh, I'm not sure if, if they do have two thirds of the House, they barely have it. So there is some protection that remains even in this dysfunctional Congress. And you know the problem with thinking that we're at the worst is that these guys are proving over and over that the worst is yet to come, and it's just subject to the imagination of of these you know corporate bidders and and the horrors of you know I, I have two little kids you know I'm watching the planet melt around us and Trump's and why is that happening coal, right? But that, well, why is that happening? It's happening because of the money in politics. Yeah, and now you're saying we're going to unilaterally disarm. But but Senator, they are going to do their convention with or without us. They have 120 calls for a convention that they could activate tomorrow. And so you're well, saying, well, we research. should take away our five calls for a convention to get money out of politics. And by the way, you need three quarters of the states to ratify. And you know that they don't have three quarters of the states. You stated it just a while ago. At a worst case scenario, we have no. They have we have thirteen double blue states and yeah. plenty of other states with blue legislatures in one in in one of the chambers. So you need you you guys put out this parade of horribles of like oh my god they could do the pro life abortion as if the convention is the only step. 
Our constitution is one of the toughest constitutions in the world to amend. In fact, most experts say it is the toughest because you got to get two thirds of the states or two thirds of Congress and then three quarters of states to ratify. There's only one thing that three quarters of states agree on, which is the corrupting influence of money in politics. 90% of Americans agree to that. 90% of Americans don't agree to a pro life amendment. In fact, two thirds of Americans are pro choice. So to say, oh my God, fear mongering, although no, they're gonna do a pro-life amendment as if they could do it carte blanche. That's not how the system is built. So when you put out that, I can do the slippery slope in the opposite direction. Oh My God, what if they do that in Congress? Oh My God, what if they do this and what if they do that if we keep the system as it is? And by the way, they have, they melted the planet on our watch while we just sat there and did nothing about money in politics. So. <laughs> The thing is that the Constitution as it stands now is actually proving to be the only check we have. If you look at these ridiculous Muslim bans and things like that, we are seeing the Constitution play out a role that is healthy and protecting us. Would I like to see the Constitution go further? Of course I would. And But part of your argument seems to be that we are in any way going to be able to eradicate the, the evils of big money through the constitutional convention process. I'm just not seeing that. If, if, if Because if, you won't let us go to the I'm, convention, that's why you're not seeing it. If, <laughs> if I'm wrong, okay, and and they don't wanna combine the, the these separate calls, and suddenly there's 25 states who have come on board with, with what Vermont has done previously and what other four other states have done, Call me up. I will be glad to to revisit this issue. But no, today, no, you don't get to rescind it, and then and then we have to go through tremendous volunteer blood, sweat, and tears, listen, and very listen. little money that we have to relitigate that battle in Vermont. So, look, let me ask you this: Do you know if there's other calls for convention in Vermont right now? Not that are live, according to our. Research. So unfortunately, there. that's not true. Uh, there's a live one from, believe it or not, 1912. And uh, Vermont called for a convention uh, to, uh, to get an amendment to end polygamy. Okay, so <laughs> now the reason I bring that up is Senator Pearson, I, I don't think that you w- went out of your way to go get the one on money in politics. But I'm not positive that the people who scared you in this direction told you about that. I think they told you about the one in money and politics and said, go get that one. Who do you think scared me in this direction exactly? Okay, well, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you because I don't know. So what was the precipitating event that made you go from voting for this to not only voting against it, but working to try to rescind it? Because that's a big change. What was the event? A friend of mine had done a master's thesis about this way back in the 60s. Brought it to my attention, some of the questions that we're talking about today. And I was skeptical because I, I was pleased to support the idea that we could fix Citizens United this way. And so I started doing some research. I reached out to my congressman, Peter Welsh, uh, who gave some, his office, furnished me a bunch of the congressional oh, research he uh, did. staff. Interesting. Okay. And, and, so I, I uncovered it that way. I put it in. It, it, I think you've referenced Common Cause in other segments. I wasn't until I had already filed the, the resolution that uh, I found that document, their document. Nobody has lobbied me or approached me on this other than a friend of mine who uh, had quite a lot of knowledge about it uh, and is very interested, by the way, in getting big money out of politics. And 
and other reforms for voting rights, electoral college, and so forth. So um, let me review. You asked a national Democrat who got into office through the system, and lo and behold, he had a whole bunch of talking points ready for you when you called, no. saying that this system is no, that's is, totally is one fair. that should not be changed, and that the system that put him in in the United States Congress is the one that we should target. Well, that's no, no, no. That's that's just not fair at all. It was his staff. They didn't even they didn't even have an opinion. He said, oh, "Well, no, I'll find gosh, out what they didn't. They just they said has. they didn't have an opinion, but all of a sudden they had all these talking points about how we should no. keep this system. And they but somehow they true. didn't have an opinion yeah. or do research no. on the no. 1920 uh, 1912 uh, call in Vermont. They just so, happened no. to do research on the one thing that would keep the system as it is. They didn't do research. The guy, some staffer, called up Congressional Research Service." Nonpartisan, generally thought of as one of the high-functioning nonpartisan research bodies in the country, and he just forwarded me their reports. They weren't new reports; they were things that, as this issue has been bubbling. I one question that I have for you, and and I don't know the answer. It's not clear to me why Congressional Research Service pegs a number at twenty-eight for. The balanced budget amendment. Arizona passed it last week, so the documents I had were prior to that. I don't know where and why somebody decided to cut off some of the very, very old calls. Um, and and it's a good question. And and as I said, um, people have confidence on both sides. The difference is just the the ramifications of whichever side is wrong. Um, you know, I I just I'm not seeing a scenario where the current cast of characters allow us to have a constitutional convention that removes the influence of big money in politics, and then any path through the states to ratify that. I think we're just going to have to come up with another strategy. To me, that there is, is no other strategy. So, okay, I'll get to that in a second. But okay. let me answer your answer your literal question. So, I have no problem with the Congressional Research Service. I, I believe they are nonpartisan, and the Congressional Research Service, by the way, said. It must be conventions must be on one issue. They cannot be combined. So they've acknowledged the no. That's that's theories. their that is their finding along with the Justice Department and the American Bar Association. So they had twenty eight balanced budget did. Now they have twenty nine. We have five, and then there are many others. But just those two alone are at thirty four. And but. Why focus on R5 when there's 690 others or at a well, bare minimum <laughs> over 100 others, right? And so now look, again, I and I'm not just saying this cuz you're on the show because you voted with us. I know your intention is is good. I, I know that. And I know some things that 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 you don't know because there's no reason you wouldn't know them. So I know that the National Democrats did the same exact thing in Maryland. Yeah, they called up the legislators in Maryland and scared them. They said, "Oh my God, the Republicans are crazy, and they're going to do pro-life amendments, and they're going to do this, and they—you got to get scared." And then, well, you know what you should do? Make sure you don't pass a call for a convention on money in politics. So now, now I know that you think that the Democrats at the national—or I shouldn't put words in your mouth—I know some folks think that national Democrats are the good guys. I think that they are among the ten percent of the country. Who thinks there's nothing wrong with money in politics? Because money in politics is what got them elected. I don't trust so, them any more than I trust the Republicans. Sure. So I've run for office six times. This is the first time I've ever run with an endorsement from the Democratic Party. I've never taken a dime of corporate money. I've been endorsed by Bernie every time. 
The last time I just ran for the state senate, I had some some seventeen thousand donations. My average donation was four dollars and fifty cents. So I, I am in no way a, a stooge of the Democratic Party. I I don't think you share are, a lot of your frustration with their generally corporate outlook. Um, it's not fair to say that the Democratic Party or even Congressman Peter Welsh, who does take corporate money, and it bothers me, but is generally a member of the Progressive Caucus in Congress, generally easily among the top 25 congressmen in the country right now, I would argue. He didn't have influence, I just used his office to get access to some of the congressional research stuff. I Again, you know, your argument that they could do it right now, well, Maybe that's true. I happen to think it is true because these guys don't play by the, the rules of any kind of common sense or decency. But Arizona just passed their resolution a couple of weeks ago. So time is of the essence. I, let me ask you a question. Do you, if we were at 34 calls for just Citizens United, okay, remove the question of combining different calls. If we were at that call, do you really think the Republicans, in Congress and the, the extreme right-wing money that controls them is going to allow a constitutional convention to unfold where we diminish the power of money in politics? Do you really think that? So uh, let me explain. So first of all, I don't trust the Republicans one bit. I believe right. that they will use their power to accrue more power. I am not 1% naive about their intentions. I believe um, that. Now, what I won't do is shred the Constitution or tool of democracy to uh, to try to block things that I don't think they have the power to do anyway. So, if you said to me, "Hey, are you really worried about what Republicans might do if they get in office?" I would say yes. If you said to me, "And is that why we should prevent a vote?" I would say no, hell no. no. Right. If right. you if you said, "Hey," Are you worried about what the Republicans are gonna do in Congress now? I would say yes, I'm very worried. If you said, let's get rid of Congress, I would say no, hell no. So if you say to me, hey, there's a part of the Constitution that says that you should be able to get an amendment through the states. Are you worried about what the Republicans might do there? I would say yes. If you said to me, should we get rid of it or never use it or rescind any cause for a convention? I would say no, hell no. I do not agree to shredding that part of the Constitution. I do not agree with unilaterally disarming and saying because they can do a convention, we shouldn't do one. You should fight them on the merits. And I look, if 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 you're the, the kind of senator I think you are, and that's why I think you supported us in the beginning and Bernie supports you, etc. You fight them on the merits. We would shred them on a balanced budget amendment. The guys in Washington that, that you're talking to, and again, I bet you that, that Peter Welch is not a bad guy. I, I but I know Democratic leadership doesn't want to go forward on this. So they put out talking points and it goes to every staffer of every Democrat. Hey, if anybody at the state level calls you, or sometimes you should actively call them, tell them you should rescind the calls for any convention. You know why? It's not even that they're against getting out of money out of politics. They're against any change. Because this is their system. They don't want to change the system. So when, when you Listen, say, hey, there's it's a hard point for me to defend national Democrats, but it is possible that they're afraid of the ramifications of putting. But you know what Congress I'm afraid of? No, Senator Pearson, I understand that. Right but you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of the situation we're in today. Yeah. So when you, right. fight, when you fight against change, I say, are we winning? Are progressives winning that we don't want any change? We just want the status quo. No, we're getting mauled out here. 
changes yeah, to right, our benefit, not to their benefit. So right. yes, when they propose a convention of their own, and they have every constitutional and democratic right to do that. And I will fight them tooth and nail on that, and I and I will lead the charge in defeating them. But when we propose a convention for us, for positive change, it is insane to be on the opposite side of that and say, no, I don't want any change, period. I'm gonna rescind calls for all conventions. I'm going to unilaterally disarm. Out of the 700 calls for a convention, I'm gonna target the five that are to get money out of politics. Now, I don't think you would do that actively. But yes, I do believe the National Democrats tell almost every state legislator, they scare every state legislator into no change. Well, I, I can only speak in my own chamber, 30 senators, 23 of us affiliated with the Democratic Party. I don't believe any of us were reached by a Democratic Party official. Other than anything. I took it upon myself, I happened to reach out to Congressman Welsh because I know him a little bit. Um, but you know, there's anyway. But, but, but so, Senator Pearson, look, it's about a group think. And so you, you happen to talk to Peter Welsh, you know, and you happen to go to Common Cause, and Common Cause happen to have their talking points ready too. Somebody but sent I, it to me after I had already. Right, that's filed right. This and so, but what I know is that all throughout the country, New Maryland, Maryland, New Mexico, Hawaii, Vermont, in, in almost every state, somehow the Democratic legislators went from being in favor of a convention. I know because we've been doing this since 2011 to all of a sudden switching. What was the precipitating well, event? I know what the precipitating event was. I saw it in every single state. Both Democratic lobbyists, national Democratic politicians decided, no, we're not gonna do a convention. Go tell every Democrat in all these states, the correct talking point is no convention at all. How about one on our behalf? No, no, no change. That is a talking well, point that is real and that is what precipitated all of this. Wouldn't you say the world's a little different than it was in 2011? I mean, no, but they did it even, under even Obama. Even they did it last year in Maryland yeah, under course. Obama. I well, know that course. Democratic Obama leadership the called in Maryland. Of, money. I, of course, but it's not Trump. So please, look. I, no, 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 no. Don't no, use that excuse. Well, okay, it's not Trump. It's the entire cast of characters and their shameless bending of the rules to suit their needs. And this is the thing, these guys are like judo masters. They could take our call and and throw us to the floor with it. And suddenly we, we have like even less campaign finance rules after the after these guys are through with the process. I mean, truly, do you, do you honestly think this Congress is gonna create a system that has a healthy and fair debate over the role of money in Congress and in our politics? I just think that's that's totally naive and wishful thinking. No, and I no, think no. the stakes where we are now, we have seen in the last several years a total disregard for decency and common sense out of national leaders, you know, with the, whether it's a Supreme Court nomination, on and on and on and on. I just think it's a risky endeavor. So I'm not acting on behalf of the Democratic Party or or anybody else. I just look at the facts as I understand them and I conclude not with tons of confidence in either direction. I just conclude there's a lot of risk here and a lot at stake and I'm uncomfortable opening up that door and contributing to opening the door. But okay, Senator, so first of all, again, at your level, I, I, I completely believe you that, that that is how you have arrived at this conclusion. But I do know that at the macro level, at the national level, this is going on in every single state and it is not an accident. And I also know that the National Democrats and the lobbyists and the common cause of the world 
know that there are 700 calls, but they're targeting the five calls for the money out of politics convention anyway. And they conveniently don't do research in every single state. Vermont's not the only state. They don't target the other calls, they target this one. And it's not because, and I'm, and not everybody involved, and I don't think Peter Welch thinks, no, I wanna keep money in politics. I don't know his intentions, right? But I know that they think change is not good. But that, what I'm telling you right now, and I think what an overwhelming majority of Democrats, progressives, and in fact, the whole country agrees is, status quo is not good. You're afraid of change, I'm afraid of the status quo. And I think the overwhelming majority of the American people are with me. So I'm not afraid to fight Republicans. I'll go to their convention and it's not their convention. You know, and to answer your question, who who sets the rules for a convention? States can set those rules. New Hampshire has set their rules and their call for a convention. And if their delegates go outside of those rules, then they can withdraw those delegates. So it is a rare case where the corrupt Congress does not set the rules. Actually, the states do. We've had over 200 conventions at the state level. All the constitutions remain intact. None of the demagoguery actually came to fruition. None of the fear mongering actually came to fruition. No one trashed their constitution and started over. All those 50 states constitutions are perfectly intact and we've had over 200 conventions at the state level. It is not something to be feared, it is a tool of democracy to be used. And if we voluntarily do not use it for our purposes because we're afraid of what they're going to do, all we're doing is hurting ourselves. If you say to me, hey Cenk, let's go make sure that the balanced budget convention doesn't happen. I'm right there with you, brother. Okay, yeah. and I will fight tooth and nail. You tell me how Vermont helps that go. You know, we don't have a call for a balanced budget. I would you gladly rescind have the 1912 one, one. Rescind the 1912 one and reinstitute okay. re ours. But to target the only five that are actually for getting money out of politics and our only chance of changing this enormously corrupt system. So let's just end on this. So if we don't do the convention, what hope do we have if two thirds of we know and you agree that two thirds of Congress will never call for an amendment to get money out of politics. So at the I, national level, are we just supposed to sit down and take it? No, what's what's the never. second path? Absolutely not, absolutely not. The path is to get organized at the grassroots level. And then Look, do what? Bernie Sanders, when Bernie Sanders ran for president, first of all, everybody laughed at him. And his initial goal was to be able to raise $50 million, not taking a dime of corporate money. He raised over almost a quarter of a billion dollars, $27 at a time, okay? So there's the answer. The answer is grassroots power, grassroots money, to do getting what? people engaged directly in the process, getting and getting people like you and me to run for office. You know, it's it's a hard to job. What I don't, end? I don't, I don't, no, I don't no, wish and to I, be and a I say that literally, but Senator Pearson, so I hear you and a lot of groups talk about uh, you know you know doing protests and getting involved. Okay, that's wonderful. But to what end? So okay, grassroots get to involved. The end that so you, because that you, because just to just to complete the thought, I got everybody involved. Wolfpack's got thirty-five thousand real volunteers all across the country. Not people who sign a petition, but people who go and you've seen them in your own state. And they show up and they engage in the process. To an end, the end is to get that amendment to get money out of politics. You activate them and then tell them, don't do the convention. So then what do you want them to do? 
Well, what I want them to do is run for office and hold office and change the laws and whittle it away. I mean, this stuff is always You're gonna an evolution, whittle it away. Right? You're going to whittle away so that we can get two thirds of Congress to be progressive Democrats. Oh, oh, listen, you don't even need a constitutional amendment to change the disastrous campaign finance laws in this country. There's all sorts of laws that you could do. We could have public financing. You could, there's a gazillion ways you can do it. Part of what Bernie well, You know proved, the Supreme Court's going to strike it down. That's why you need no, an amendment because they just put such a on the court. Yeah. They're going to say no, no, no to every bill if you were to miraculously whittle them down and 20 years later have a majority of two thirds majority of not just Democrats, but really progressive Democrats in Congress. The Supreme Court could go, no, I don't agree. I strike it down. You it's not can, an amendment. I understand Congress could actually take the Supreme Court out of this question because there is a role for Congress to. Dictate where the courts actually can step in, but but they look tried at that and look you know, what happened listen, with Citizens listen, United. I, I just I want to say to you, I share an extreme frustration with the pace of change, and with the almost laughable presence of any progressive force in this country. It's very very frustrating, terrifying, particularly when you think about climate change. But a lot of the the questions we're looking at, income inequality, and so forth. Um, but but look at what Bernie's campaign has done at the presidential level. Now you have centrist Democrats signing on to bills with for free college. He he has he has proven that it's okay to stand up for populist beliefs, and that was in one election, and the guy didn't even win. So I do think that it is possible for us to turn the ship around, and I think we've we've just got to engage and and not tolerate. The crap that we've been given year after year after year. And part of the way we do that is people of sort of yours and my age and younger have to realize that it's our turn. We got to run for office. We cannot tolerate these people anymore. And we got to step up. And we can do that at a grassroots level without taking corporate money and do it honestly and do it for the righteous reasons that we need to do it. And I think we'll be more successful. Uh, than most people believe, and and at that time you really are you really are taking on the structure when you shun the big money apparatus that is beholden. Both parties, in some ways, are beholden to. That's really where you start to turn the tide, and so I think there are a lot of solutions. I think I happen to think a constitutional convention at this time is very risky, and and that's where I'm coming from. All right, I, I understand. Uh, obviously, uh, you know that 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 is the issue that we don't agree on. That's why we had this conversation. Uh, I, I know that half of the amendments, more than half of the amendments we have on uh, in the Constitution, uh, came uh, because of the threat of a co uh, constitutional convention. I think that is where the grassroots activism should be pointed at uh, and and directed at. But I want to thank you for coming on uh, and and. So for the people at home that are watching, look, Senator Pearson voted with us in the first place. I think he's a genuine, genuine progressive. And I think that what we wanna do and why we have these conversations is to air out our, not just our opinions, but also to share facts and hopefully get to the right place. At the end of this conversation, we don't yet agree, but I think that we might one day and I hold out hope for that. And I appreciate that you came on and presented your case. So. Thank you, Senator Pearson. We really appreciate it. Well, it's been an honor to, to chat with you, Jenk, and keep up the great work. You're you're part of the revolution as I see it. And uh, thanks very much. And uh, you know, there's so much we do agree on. 
you should have me back some other time. We'll talk about some of that stuff. That sounds good. As soon as you put the convention back in, <laughs> we'll have you right back on. No, in all seriousness, thank you, Senator Pearson, for joining us on the Young Turks. My pleasure.